Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 45 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I'm Nick Risco at Fantasy Law Guy on Instagram. Week 5 is here. Let's do the matchups. Hakeem dropped the ball! Hakeem dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What are talking about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. We let him off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. What the hell's going on out here? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep attriculating the ball down the field, boy. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. We have seven early kickoffs. The noon central slate, three games in the afternoon slate, one Sunday night football, two Monday night football, and possibly one Tuesday night football. And we will begin with that because a lot of roster decisions do start with whether you're going to be playing players on this Tuesday night game, which may or may not happen depending on whether positive tests show up. For some of the players on the Buffalo Bills or Tennessee Titans, specifically the Titans, what we know is that if one more positive test appears for the Titans, they are likely going to have to move this game beyond Week 5, which means it would not be scored for Week 5. So you need to know whether you can play these players, whether you can play the players in the Buffalo Bills or the Tennessee Titans. And unfortunately, nobody really has the answers for you because this is something that will be determined By fate, it is to be determined. We won't know. They'll do tests this morning, probably around 7 a.m. this morning, and they'll probably do tests uh, tomorrow, Monday morning. And if all systems go, there's no positives, then the game will be played. But unfortunately, you have to make lineup decisions prior to Monday's COVID test. So unless you have a commissioner who is allowing you to select alternates or backups for this game, then you're making calls lineup decisions, not knowing whether this game is even going to be played. But at least I think Sunday morning will give us a better idea or at least indicate a better chance of whether it's played or not. But I'd want all my pivots to be players who are in later games, like Monday night football games, really to give me an extra day to see how this will shake out. Because if there's no positive test on Sunday and Monday, then it looks like the game's going to at least has a good chance of being played as scheduled. And I understand if you want to take the risk with studs like Josh Allen and Derrick Henry in this game, I also understand if you don't want to take that risk. A lot of answers depend on the opportunity cost as it relates to who your alternate, who's your backup. If your backup quarterback to Josh Allen is a strong option, then it's probably not worth taking the risk of using Josh Allen. But if your backup to Derrick Henry is someone like Rex Burkhead or Mark Ingram, not to call anyone out by name here, but you know what I mean, then maybe, you know, I'd play Derrick Henry. The Titans, they'll be missing some starters on defense who have contracted the virus, so I like Josh Allen to continue rolling here against a Tennessee team that really hasn't been able to practice much, at least legally. And the Tennessee defense has played much softer than they appear on paper, below their talent level. Zach Moss, he's questionable for this game, obviously, His absence positively affects Devin Singletary. 
who would be more like a running back two if Moss misses, but merely a flex option if Moss plays. Moss is the goal line back there in Buffalo. I will remind you of that. But we likely won't know that in time, seeing as Moss is questionable for this game and because this game is supposed to be played on Tuesday. Stephon Diggs is a must-start every week, except I guess you know if we don't know the game is being played, then maybe he's not a must-start. But again, all this is team-dependent. How risk-averse do you want to be? How good are your backups? I can only say that if this game is played for sure, you know I would be starting Diggs. John Brown would be a flex option. Devin Singletary probably would be you know, in my RB2 spot. And definitely Derrick Henry, Jonu Smith would be starting for me this week. Uh, Corey Davis has COVID, so he'll be out for this game, which helps Jonu Smith's outlook if it's played. And A.J. Brown, he's tricky because he's coming off the injury. So he's even riskier. You know, It's worth noting that shutdown cornerback Trey White is likely out for this game. He hasn't practiced all week. But I'd lean toward... Playing another week without A.J. Brown, unfortunately, unless we get clearance for either him being active or this game being played or both. And Ryan Tannehill, he's easier to fade because you can likely find streamable quarterbacks instead. Derrick Henry, not a great matchup, but he'll get his 20 touches, and he's always a threat for, and with that volume, he's always a threat for 100 yards and a possible touchdown. But overall, if we get Sunday and Monday without positive tests, I feel more confident using players in this game. And that's why I'd rather my pivots to be Monday or players who play Monday. And there are two options. The Patriots, it's a doubleheader Monday. The Patriots and the Broncos play on Monday and the Saints and the Chargers play on Monday night as well. So a couple of good options there to try to get backups on your bench to decide, you know, if you want to, you know, give you a better chance of figuring out if you want to take this risk. And maybe there's a positive test on Sunday, hopefully not, for this game, and then we'll pretty much know that it's not being played. And I have Derrick Henry active as of now in one league and benched in another right now. And it sucks, but I just don't want to take the goose eggs. And the two leagues that I have Josh Allen in, luckily the commissioner is allowing us to designate a backup if that game is not being played. I am the commissioner of the two leagues that I have Josh Allen in, but I'm not the commissioner of the two leagues I have Derrick Henry in. So, but who are your backups? I mean, that's the key question. If your commissioner is not allowing you to do uh, designate backups and alternatives if the game isn't played, who are your backups? And that kind of decides whether you want to be taking that risk. And again, I hope your commissioners are being flexible and allowing you to designate a backup because this is probably going to happen several more times this season. And let's work our way back. Okay, we already talked about the 4-0 Bills and the 3-0 Tennessee Titans game. That's actually a battle of undefeated teams if that game is going to be played on Tuesday as scheduled. But we're going to work our way backwards here. The Monday Night Football, the 1-3 Chargers travel to the Superdome to visit the 2-2 Saints on Monday Night Football. And the reason I want to work backwards in this matchup pod is because these are the calls you have to make in advance of the Sunday games, and these are the possible pivots for that Tuesday game between the Bills and the Titans. And Justin Herbert, you know, playing very well as a rookie. This is a guy who wasn't supposed to see the field until after midseason. And that was the plan, at least. But Herbert impressed last week versus the Bucks, And it was an outstanding game by Herbert, who was put in an extremely difficult spot in a cross-country road trip without his starting center, without a starting right guard, without a starting right tackle. And Mike Williams, he was out. Austin Eckler, with a hamstring injury, went down early in this game. So he was out for most of the game against a very, very tough Buccaneers defense. And Tampa Bay just had no answers for Herbert. And now 
Herbert looks like he's going to be without uh, right guard, try Turner, and right tackle Brian Balaga. Austin Eckler also out, his check down king. And Mike Evans is questionable. The Saints defense has been a lot worse than the Bucks. They are not, or they've been very friendly to opposing quarterbacks. And top cornerback Marshawn Lattimore is questionable for this game. I view Herbert as a quarterback two for this game, but I think you can do worse as a streaming option if you have you know, Aaron Rodgers or Matt Stafford on bye week and Teddy Bridgewater isn't in free agency. I think Herbert will score at least 15 points this week, and he has a rushing floor. And the Saints are a pass-funnel defense with their elite run defense. And plus, there could be favorable game flow for Herbert if the Chargers are trailing. So the Saints are favored uh, by Vegas by 7.5 points in this game. And Keenan Allen, you know, is a target monster with Justin Herbert. 10 targets, 19 targets, 11 targets in the last three Herbert starts. And Allen was going to be kind of a dusted pick with Terod Taylor. But now he's one of the best values in fantasy football. Supremely talented and the focal point of the offense without Austin Eckler. Allen is a must-start wide receiver one regardless of opponent. Hunter Henry hasn't found the end zone yet this season, but I still think he's a weekly tight end one as well. I actually love Hunter Henry this week. The Saints have given up loads and loads of fantasy points to tight ends this season, so make sure Hunter Henry is in your starting lineups. He's a top-five tight end play this week. And again, this passing game is probably going to have favorable game flow and more targets should be concentrated going to Hunter Henry and Keen Allen without Austin Eckler in the lineup. Joshua Kelly has lost a fumble in two straight games. He's likely going to be benched if he fumbles again. So that's one risk of playing the rookie. Another risk is the matchup. Kelly has been pretty game script dependent, at least with Austin Eckler there. He can be effective in the passing game, but the Chargers have only really rode Joshua Kelly when they were leading, preferring Eckler in obvious passing downs when trailing, which they could be. And Vegas expects them to be, again, against the Saints. And Eckler is gone now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use Justin Jackson. And Justin Jackson, he's worth a 12-team or a hold in 12-team leagues. But I'm not starting Justin Jackson here. And if I could help it, I'm not using Joshua Kelly either. He's a, he's a volume-based RB3 at best in this game. And I'm, I'm, I'm only starting him if I have to which is in one league. I will be using him in one league. We have three flexes in that league, so I don't really have a choice. But the Saints' run defense is outstanding, so you're just kind of hoping that he finds the end zone there. And, and the, for the Saints, Michael Thomas is questionable for this game. So there's an argument to be made to sit Michael Thomas one more week because the Saints have a bye week next week. So in theory, they could rest him for two weeks if they sit him out this week and have him just totally 100% for week seven coming off the high ankle sprain. That's honestly what I would do, or I would prefer to do if I were making that call for the Saints. And Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders played well last week, and both of them are flex options if Michael Thomas can't go, but we likely won't know that going into the Sunday games. So it's preferable, again, to have a late pivot, uh, a late alternate, if you're playing Michael Thomas. Maybe that pivot is Traquan Smith or Emmanuel Sanders. That's ideal. Making That, that makes it really easy. Jared Cook, he's also questionable. Seeing as this game is a Monday Night Football, so we may not learn if he's active until then. I probably just plan to play without Jared Cook and start somebody else. Because even if he plays, it sounds like he's not going to be 100%. The Saints, again, they have a bye week next week, so it wouldn't be surprising for Michael Thomas and Jared Cook to sit. And although I do think Michael Thomas is more likely to play than Jared Cook 
I think it's risky either way. Alvin Kamara, a tougher test than the Lions last week is the Chargers this week, but he's still a top five play overall in fantasy football. Drew Brees, I think that he's a possible streamer. I'm thinking he'll have a good but not great game on Monday Night Football for fantasy purposes. And obviously his outlook is enhanced if Michael Thomas plays or not, but we may not know that going into our Sunday calls. Moving on to the other Monday Night Football game, that is between the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. And we have yet another situation where we just don't, uh, someone is questionable for this game, and we're just not going to know if they can play by the time Sunday kickoffs happen. And that is Cam Newton. Cam Newton, questionable for this game. He needs to show two more days without positive COVID symptoms. And I think that Cam Newton is more likely to play than a lot of experts think, or I think he's more likely to play than not, honestly. But can you really take that risk unless you have a backup quarterback on your teams who's playing in this Chargers, maybe you can go grab Justin Herbert, right? Maybe he, he's a great pivot because that game's on Monday night as well, and we'll know if Cam Newton's going to play by Monday. But if he doesn't play, I mean, obviously if he plays, you're starting him. But if he doesn't play, then, you know, Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham, probably Jared Stidham's going to be the starter in this game, and he's not worth really a fantasy look against the Broncos or really against anybody. Julian Edelman, again, you can't really trust Julian Edelman if you don't know that his quarterback's going to be Cam Newton. So he's probably left better on benches. In the running game, we saw Damian Harris. You know, he could be featured once again. Damian Harris playing that Sonny Michelle role. Last week, 17 carries, 100 rushing yards. And we saw James White kind of take over duties over Rex Burkhead to be the primary passing down back. So it looks like I would say it's a two-way committee between Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead. But, Re- I mean, and James White, I should say. But Rex Burkhead does get sprinkled in there. And he should have about seven touches in this game. Overall, if I could avoid this running back by committee, I would. But I can understand, you know, if you're desperate starting Damian Harris or James White in the flex, I would not be starting or probably even be holding Rex Burkhead on my roster if I've been in a 12-team lead. And for the Broncos, it looks like Brett Rippon is going to get his second consecutive start. Played okay against the Jets last week. But Noah Fant, he's out for this game. So this is a really easy fantasy matchup here right like there's just not a lot of fantasy players we can really play in this game knowing that we don't know if cam newton's going to play so the defenses yeah i mean i think the defenses might be the best option here the broncos defense going likely up against jared Sidham. patriots defense obviously a good play against brett rippon maybe more targets will be concentrated to jerry judy he's worth a flex option there stefan gilmore is likely going to be out for this game because he is contracted the COVID virus. So Stephon Gilmore likely out. That makes Jerry Judy an okay flex. Normally he would not be really startable in this game, but he did catch a touchdown with Brett Rippon last week and Melvin Gordon. I mean, he's also going to be a focal point. He's a volume based, uh, I would say running back two in this game, actually, as opposed to a flex. Uh, But I think he's a lower end running back two with a, you know, bad matchup, but you know, he's going to get probably 20 touches in this game. So moving on to the Sunday night football, and that one's going to be a lot more fun because the 1-3 and three Vikings have to square off with the 4-0 and Seahawks in Seattle on Saturday Night Football. You know, Vegas has this game with the highest over-under point total. So if the roster decisions are close, you'll want to lead, you know, lean into this game as it projects to have the most points scored. The Seahawks defense, without pass rusher Bruce Irvin, without nickel cornerback Marquise Blair, no strong safety Jamal Adams in this game either. 
So they are ripe for the picking even at home. Kirk Cousins enters the streaming conversation and is a must-start quarterback too in Superflex leagues. And he's heating up lately. And I like his chances of tossing two touchdowns, maybe a 250 passing yards in this game because he's going to be chasing points, trying to keep up with Mr. Unlimited, which is Russell Wilson. Though I will say when you start Kirk Cousins, you're always risking that he's going to be a total dud, especially in prime time where Cousins has tended to fail in big spots. The Vikings, they're a run-first team, and Dalvin Cook is dominating once again this season. Great stuff by Dalvin in this Gary Kubiak offense, which is always promising for running backs. He's shown no signs of getting nicked up or hurt in any way. So he's 100% healthy, and we're riding him as a top-five asset in fantasy football, even though the Seattle run defense has been much, much stronger than their pass defense. Adam Thielen, speaking of that pass defense, is a tasty spot for Adam Thielen. He is a must-start weekly, especially in a plum setting here where the Vikings will be trailing and having to keep up with Russ Wilson again. Justin Jefferson, same situation here. This is a plus matchup on paper, but also in the game flow perspective. And he's looked great ever since the Vikings took the shackles off him and started playing him as a starter, as the first-round draft pick that they invested in. I think Jefferson is a rock-solid wide receiver too this week, and I'm starting him over you know, Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, Deontay Johnson, probably not much higher than that. I think he and Hollywood Brown are close. I'd probably lean Jefferson in that as well. And that's an actual line of decision that I have to make, which is why I bring it up. And this is a great stat from Hayden Winks of Roto World. The Seahawks are averaging 336 receiving yards per game to opposing wide receivers. And the second worst defense is down at 211 receiving yards per game. So 336 allowed by the Seahawks, 211 receiving yards to wide, opposing wide receivers allowed by the next worst defense to wide receivers. So pretty crazy stuff there. Russell Wilson, you know, yes, please. Chris Carson, yes, please. He is an RB1 this week. Chris Carson is, and in most weeks. I'm definitely starting Chris Carson over Joe Mixon, over James Conner, over James Washington this week, Miles Sanders, and even Jonathan Taylor. But all of them obviously should be in starting lineups. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, top 12 wide receivers every week, get them in starting lineups. I think that Lockett is going to have a bigger game than DK Metcalf last week, although Lockett did, I believe he put up a goose egg against Minnesota last year, but he was hurt in that game. And, I mean, Seattle is just pretty easy to cover, though. Not their wide receivers. I mean, their fantasy football outlooks. I mean, just such a great situation because it's such a narrow share of total studs that you start every week. So you don't need to worry about tight ends or number three receivers or backup running backs at this point. It's just a very concentrated target share for this explosive offense, and it's just pretty sweet overall. At some point, you know, the dinosaur, Brian Schottenheimer, the offense coordinator there, he's going to revert back to his run-first ways for a game, and it'll just be totally out of the blue. But for now, let's continue to live in the bliss, hope it doesn't happen, and watch Mr. Unlimited carve up these defenses. So we're working our way backwards here. You know, now we're getting to the 315 slate, the afternoon slate here. The 3-1 Colts versus the 3-1 Browns in the dog pound. One of the games of the week, but it probably will be pretty boring from a fantasy football perspective. The quarterbacks in this game, Phillip Rivers, Baker Mayfield, have been more game managers, and they both face tough matchups. Mayfield has been better than Phillip Rivers, but also faces a tougher defense. I wouldn't be considering starting either of them outside of Superflex, but if forced to pick one, I guess I would take Baker Mayfield. This game may finish in two and a half hours, as opposed to three hours and 15 minutes. It'll probably be the fastest game on the slate, 
based on the extremely run-heavy philosophies of both teams. Both teams will try to hide their quarterbacks and minimize their impacts. And even with the Browns missing Nick Chubb, both starting running backs in this game, Kareem Hunt and Jonathan Taylor, should obviously be in fantasy lineups despite the fact that Cleveland's run defense is only allowing 3.55 yards of carry and the Colts have held enemy tailbacks to 3.79 yards per carry. Both great marks there. And I think I like Kareem Hunt a little more than Jonathan Taylor in this game because of Kareem Hunt's versatility. Both running backs are in similar situations because both will likely have other teammate running backs serving as a thorn in their sides. And Taylor should continue to split the work with Naeem Hines. And Kareem Hunt will concede some carries to Dearness Johnson, who is an AF star and who played really well against the Dallas defense last week, although that's not really saying that much. I think Kareem Hunt, there's a chance that he's just used as the bell cow and is just going to just totally explode without Nick Chubb. But we'll see Deion Johnson sprinkled in. And worst case, Deion Johnson will take like half of Nick Chubb's role, and Kareem Hunt will get about like 66% of the touches. But either way, in this offense, you know, Kareem Hunt is really set up to thrive here. You know, if I can help it, I'm not using Dearness Johnson or Naeem Hines in this game because of the tough matchup and because I want to see how Dearness Johnson is used against a non-Dallas Cowboys defense. Both are worth sashing in 12-team leagues, though, I will say, Hines and Dearness Johnson. And it's worth noting that the Colts' defense may be a little less stingy than usual with injuries to our linebacking core. Anthony Walker is questionable in this game, and in their best player, Darius Leonard, the linebacker there, he is out for this game. So Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Taylor, both mid to low running back ones every week going forward and must starts regardless of the matchup and potential timeshare concerns. For the passing game, there's not much to see here. Jarvis Landry did his usual five catches for 47 yards last week. I feel like that's his, those are his numbers every week, but he did throw that passing touchdown last week. But that's obviously not a sticky play uh, to be projected and repeated anytime soon. And I'm sitting Jarvis Landry, and I'm also sitting T.Y. Hilton who's let me down too many times this year, four too many times, to be exact, uh, and if you drafted him. And I'm not on the cut T.Y. Hilton mode just yet, like I am with maybe like someone like A.J. Green, but game script has not been favorable for the Colts in the passing game. The Colts are missing wide receivers Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, which leads me to want to hold on to T.Y. Hilton because let's let, wait and see if he can produce when the Colts are actually forced to throw. It could be this game. So I'm holding T.Y. Hilton for now, but not starting him. Odell Beckham reminded us last week that he is still very good at football. And the Colts have played great zone defense, pass defense this season. They've limited opposing number one receivers. But it's hard to sit Odell Beckham. I'm expecting somewhat of a down week. But if you sit Beckham, you're doing it at your own risk because you know he could blow up at any given moment, as we saw. And he's had two great games this year and two bad games. I'm starting him in the flex in the one league where I do roster Beckham. Next game, let's go to the winless New York Giants. They travel south to face the 1-3 Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are struggling defensively big time. They are just really bad. But they've been called out and embarrassed all week by the media and their own owner, Jerry Jones. So I expect the Dallas defense to somewhat show up this week. And this doesn't mean Daniel Jones shouldn't be started in like a super flex league. He should. But I'm pumping the brakes on the QB1 conversation. We just haven't seen enough from Daniel Jones to really warrant him being streamable in one quarterback leagues, even against a pathetic defense like Dallas. So don't get too cute here. And I like Jones enough to say that like 250 pass yards, two touchdowns is a possibility. He's got the rushing floor too. 
but I still think he's best reserved for super flex leagues. I think Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram are actually pretty good plays this week. Evan Ingram would likely be in my starting lineups. Darius Slayton, a flex slash wide receiver three. He's as boom or bust as they come, which you know most teams have boomed against the Dallas Cowboys. And Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, they remain out. Devonta Freeman is the back to roster in New York. And not Deion Lewis, not Wayne Gallman, who are both cuttable in 12-team leagues. Freeman had a decent game last week, but you know he's he's a he's a flex option in PPR formats this week in what should be a relatively high-scoring game that the Giants should be trailing in. That may or may not help Devonta Freeman, who is a capable pass catcher and showed some wiggle and burst last week against the Rams. Uh, as he gets more familiarized with the playbook, I think he is a cheap flex option. But I'd rather play Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram and probably every Cowboys receiver on the other side here, including Michael Gallup, over Devonta Freeman. Dak Prescott, obvious must start here. It looks like he's going to be without his star left tackle Tyrone Smith for the season, which sucks. And Dak Prescott is also missing his right tackle Lyle Collins in this game and center. So the Cowboys down three offensive line starters in this game, and that could be pretty troublesome. But it also keeps on forcing Dak to throw. And that's why we've seen great numbers without Tyron Smith against Cupcake opponents already this season. And that is the situation here. And this game sets up uh, you know, as a feed Zeke game for the first time in a while. This was the strategy that the Rams employed against the New York Giants last week. You know, a smash mouth running game. And Zeke has been running a lot of pass routes. Instead of getting carries, thanks to the Cowboys trailing by multiple scores in the second half of each of their last three games, this time the Cowboys should have a multi-score lead. Yet, it's worth noting that the Giants do have great defensive tackles, three of them, I should say, and they've played strong run defense this year, limiting uh, opposing running backs to only 3.68 yards a carry. So I am projecting a strong workload for Zeke, but I don't know if the offensive line being all injured can handle this Giants defensive line in terms of stopping the run. So I just think that we're going to see like a 20-carry day from Zeke, but it's probably only going to be for 70, 80 yards, hopefully a touchdown or two. But obviously, you know, I'm pretty excited about Zeke Elliott this week. Amari Cooper, he's a top-five wide receiver every week, even against James Bradbury, a great cornerback for the Giants who's playing really well. James Bradbury is PFF's Pro Football Focus' number one-rated cornerback as of now. CeeDee Lamb. He is a rock-solid wide receiver, too, who should be in starting lineups pretty much every week. And he gets a better matchup here with James Barry, Bradbury locked on to Cooper. But Cooper has just been such a you know, target hog in this offense that you, you just can't sit Amari Cooper, especially in a PPR format. And CeeDee Lamb, he should be burning the Giants in the slot for at least a few decent-sized catches. Michael Gallup is running you know, the empty calorie clear-out routes. You know, serving only really mainly to open up the field and spread out the defense for the other weapons. According to Hayden Winks of Roto World, Michael Gallup has run 92% of his routes near the sidelines, and 25% of his targets have been 20 or more yards downfield. So he's basically a definition of a boomer bust. These are low percentage routes here. He's like a prime Deshaun Jackson right now. So you're either getting two catches for 25 yards or six catches, 140 yards, and a touch if he can connect on a deep shot. And we just don't know. And I, I do like his chances more than usual against this Giants defense. He's a wide receiver three who can win you your week, but also put up a total dud. I'd probably lean toward him being in my starting lineup where I can squeeze it. 
though it is worth noting that he's only played one out of four good games this season, despite Dak being on pace for like 5 million passing yards. Next game, the 1-3 Miami Dolphins travel cross-country to face the 3-1 San Francisco 49ers. I wonder what the furthest possible trip is for an NFL team to make, because this game you know, it has to be close. Dolph, Miami to San Francisco. I guess it would be Miami to Seattle because that's really just cross-country diagonally. And that actually happened last week. But it was Seattle coming to Miami. Regardless, Jimmy Garoppolo is scheduled to return along with running back Raheem Mostert. And Jimmy G is a nice matchup-based quarterback two-streamer. Probably I'm reluctant to use him uh, coming off the high ankle sprain in a super flex league against the Miami defense. But, you know, I will use him in a super flex league, but not in a traditional one quarterback league. Same for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has been posting solid numbers because of his playing style and favorable game flow with the team trailing constantly. But there were early week talks about Tua Tungavailoa making his NFL debut in this game. And that signals to me that Ryan Fitzpatrick's time is coming to an end sooner than we thought if the Dolphins keep losing. Fitzpatrick, he's a super flex option only against an injury riddled and, you know, but still solid 49ers defense. Raheem Mostert, he dominated in weeks one and two before spraining his MCL. He could or he should retake his lead back job over Jarek McKinnon with McKinnon getting, you know, most of the passing down work while Mostert gets most of the early down duties. Mostert is obviously the back to roster in San Francisco and Mostert should be in starting lineups based on how he produced before he got hurt if he's active. But it wouldn't be shocking if the 49ers eased him back in, knowing that this is a pretty winnable game against the Miami Dolphins. Honestly, I, I'd probably sit him another week if I was the Niners. But I am not, and it looks like he is on the higher percentage side of questionable to play than he is not to play. That's what I've heard at least. So I'm still starting most of where I have him. Uh, probably as an RB2 right now, maybe a flex probably right below the fringe RB1s with bad matchups. Like, I'm definitely starting him over, I, I don't know, he's right there with David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Devin Singletary. I'd probably start him over all those guys, but I probably wouldn't start him over like Mike Davis or Kareem Hunt. It's close with, nah, yeah, I probably wouldn't start him over Mixon, James Conner, or Miles Sanders either. I don't know, maybe maybe Miles Sanders, but because he's playing Pittsburgh. We'll get to that in a second. But ideally, I'd like to play Raheem Mostert in the flex. It's possible they ease him back in. George Kittle, he's back, clearly, stardom. Though it's worth noting that the 49ers will ramp up Debo Samuel's playing time this week, and Brandon Ayuk is getting more involved as well. And with Raheem Mostert back, along with Jarek McKinnon, there are mouths to feed in this offense. So it wouldn't be, or it won't be the George Kittle show every week like it was last week. Uh, the targets will be more spread out. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are desperation flexes this week. At best, Debo is still getting eased back in, uh, not playing a full amount of snaps. And I'm not really starting him in fantasy uh, coming off that Jones fracture until I do see him play a full uh, or run as a full-time player. But both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are great stashes in 12-team leagues. And if I had to choose a starter between them this week, I would roll with Ayuk. Uh, for one more week. Jarek McKinnon, he is a flex option in PPR leagues. He's scored in every game this year, but that streak is threatened by Raheem Mostert's return, so it's quite possible that the hot start for Jarek McKinnon is ending very soon, making him a great sell high. For Miami, we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick already. Devontae Parker is his clear-cut number one receiver, and I think now that he's shown that he's healthy enough, he's a plug-and-play wide receiver too each week, as long as Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. If Devontae Parker, 
you know, is in one of my flex spots, I'm feeling pretty solid about my team this week. Like that's just in general. But usually if he's in your flex, it means he's like your fifth best skill position player of the week. And that's that's pretty strong. The 49ers, they're really banged up at cornerback right now. Richard Sermon is out. Nickel cornerback Kwan Williams is out. Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley with a concussion. He's questionable for this game. So, I, you know, you have to love Devontae Parker this week. And after we saw the 49ers erase Zach Ertz from the offense last week at tight end, it's tough to trust Mike Jasicki this week. I'd rather start Evan Ingram. I'd rather start Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, Dalton Schultz, and even Eric Ebron over Mike Jasicki this week. So moving on to the next game, the 1-3 Jacksonville Jaguars. They have a divisional date with the 0-4 Houston Texans, who just fired their head coach um, slash general manager, Bill O'Brien. And a lot of times when there's dissatisfaction with the head coach and he's fired, or in this case there's a revolt against the regime, teams can kind of be fired up the next game, showing a resurgence of sorts under better leadership. And I'm predicting that that happens here, uh, with the Texans getting their first win of the year. Of course, that task is made a little easier with a porous Jaguars defense on deck. This is a Jags defense that is missing nickel cornerback DJ Hayden and is possibly missing their best defensive player, linebacker Miles Jack. And if he's out, then that is huge for like guys like David Johnson and Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, he's questionable for this game. Uh, Miles Jack is. Deshaun Watson is a top six or seven quarterback play this week. And if he doesn't get it done this week as a top 10 option, you know, I'd be pretty surprised. He should be in starting lineups in what could be a sneaky high-scoring game between two teams with no defense. And I don't expect the Texans' offensive scheme to change much because although Romeo Cornell was named interim head coach, he's a defensive guy, and Tim Kelly is just retaking the reins on his offense. He actually called the play for this team weeks one through three. So Duke Johnson, he returned as a running back last week for Houston. But David Johnson still logged 18 touches in this game. David Johnson is still getting the workload that we wanted. Well, he could be utilizing the passing game a little more, but this is, you know, a situation where his numbers have been more poor than we expected because the team is so bad. And I'm I'm still starting David Johnson everywhere. I have him as a running back two in a tasty matchup. And the same goes for Will Fuller, who was this close to having a two touchdown, a hundred yard game last week, but the ball like barely moved as it hit the ground on a would be go ahead score with one minute remaining in that game against the Vikings last week. That was against a burnable Minnesota secondary, and this Jag secondary is lacking as well, though not as much. My strategy with Will Fuller is the same as it is with James Conner. You know, I start him every week that they are healthy, and I pray that they don't get hurt in their games. Will Fuller is Watson's go-to wide receiver when all systems go. I think we've learned by now that we can't be trusting Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb this week. Gardner Minshew... For the Jaguars on their side is a streamable quarterback one this week. I'd start him right after Teddy Bridgewater, who I'll get to in a second, ahead of Big Ben and ahead of uh, Drew Brees and Daniel Jones and probably even ahead of Joe Burrow against the Ravens and Jared Goff. And those are some big names. But this Houston defense is arguably even worse than Jacksonville's. And DJ Chark, he looks like he's back and ready to rock and roll as every week wide receiver two, which is what we hoped for when we drafted him. Though I'll admit his slow start was concerning. Hopefully he can build on last week's great game. And I am trusting that he does by starting him if I do have him on my teams. I liked DJ Chark a little more than Will Fuller this week. LaVisca Chenault, he is a nice wide receiver three, flexible sleeper this week. His role is slowly but surely increasing each week. I think that he's going to be the real deal at some point. James Robinson, you're starting him. 
He's one of very few bell cow running backs in the league. Chris Thompson didn't get a touch. Uh, he didn't get to touch the ball last week, which is huge considering Jacksonville is going to be playing in negative game scripts often. And Chris Thompson is a passing down specialist. Robinson, James Robinson is legit good. And I think that he's a top 10 running back this week and a fringe running back one going forward. I would start him over all the fringe running backs with bad matchups that we're going to discuss, including Joe Mixon, James Conner, and Miles Sanders, etc. So moving on to the 1-2 and two Bengals, they are playing the 3-1 and one Baltimore Ravens this week in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson dinged up this week and missed some practice time. He should be ready to roll. Jackson shredded the Bengals for huge games last year, so this is another good spot for Jackson after taking care of business last week. The Bengals have badly missed their starting defensive tackles, Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels, who are, and they're failing to generate any pressure on opposing quarterbacks, but Atkins is supposed to make his 2020 debut this week. We haven't seen Lamar Jackson have his like, you know, smash spot where he has, you know, more than three touchdowns in a game. But I think Jackson should be good for at least three scores in this game. The hope is that those scores will go to either Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown. Marquise Hollywood Brown is yet to I'm not even going to give him the nickname Hollywood because he hasn't earned it yet. But Marquise Brown has yet to find the end zone this year. He's had two dud games. But he's also had several missed opportunities. Lamar Jackson has just missed Brown on two deep shots in each of the last two games where Brown was separated from his coverage. And Brown also went down at the one-yard line last week as well. So Brown, he led the NFL in air yards last week in week four with 219 air yards. Air yards do not score you fantasy points, but it does indicate that you know some blow-up week is coming at some point. Um, Brown, he lacks a history of production, and he remains extremely volatile. But there are reasons we should keep the there are reasons we should keep the faith other than this matchup. And I'm starting him in every league that I have him, except for maybe one where I'm starting Justin Jefferson over him. But I'm not too too worried about Marquise Brown despite the slow start. But yeah, I would have liked for him to have a big week at this point. We're already a quarter into the season already. Mark Andrews has had two big weeks, but he's also had two duds. He's very inconsistent, as a lot of his skill set for fantasy relies on efficiency and touchdown scoring. But this is another cupcake matchup for Mark Andrews, and I've made my feelings clear about this running back, this three-way running back by committee for Baltimore. All the running backs are just stashes, not starts at this point. J.K. Dobbins definitely keeps stashing him. He's had, you know, he gets like five touches a game. Uh, I have a pretty good, I have a decent gut feeling that J.K. Dobbins is, you know, could emerge, not as like the full-time runner or anything like that, but could have the best game among the three this week, but still I'm not even starting him in the two leagues that I do have J.K. Dobbins. So, yeah, uh, keep him on benches. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow has hit the 300-yard passing mark in each of his last three games. He's aggressive and attempting a ton of passes. The Ravens' defense hasn't been quite the same since missing cornerback nickel cornerback Tavon Young, and he went down with a, a torn ACL a couple weeks ago. And this has not been this is not a great matchup, so don't get me wrong. But Burrow could have some backdoor garbage time production here, similar to Dwayne Haskins last week when Haskins threw for 300 yards against the Ravens when because they were losing. And and Burrow, he's a fringe top 12 quarterback, you know, every week, but he's probably closer to a quarterback two for this week. Tyler Boyd has begun to show as Burrow's favorite target, but he's you know this is a rough matchup with a number two rated cornerback uh, per pro football focus, Marlon Humphrey, who plays at the nickelback spot where Tyler Boyd lines up in the slot. So a tough matchup for Tyler Boyd here. I think he's just more of a flex this week uh, in PPR leagues. Obviously, he's a better 
play on most leagues. Like he's usually a wide receiver two, but probably just more of a, a PPR wide uh, wide receiver three or flex option this week. AJ Green, his career appears to be winding down. He's down. He's done next to nothing this year, and his role is starting to wane uh, in favor of T. Higgins. AJ Green only has 119 reception uh, receiving yards this season, so he's not really startable in even if he is getting the eight targets a game, which he is. T. Higgins will eventually take his place full-time, and he's trending upwards. I definitely want T. Higgins on my on my teams, but that doesn't mean I prefer him in my starting lineups this week. I think he's the definition of a boom or bust this week. His floor is very low, like two catches, 11 yards low. But it seems to be Joe Burrow's favorite target in the red zone. So the hope is for a touchdown. I, I guess touchdown or bust is probably a more accurate way to put T. Higgins' outlook. And, and Joe Mixon, you know, three pathetic games this year, one week winner, which was last week. He's coming off that dominant game against the Jags, and he's had at least 19 touches in every game. But the key is how involved is he going to be in the passing game? The Bengals, how, you know, how much are they going to allow him to be involved in the passing game? If they're trailing by multi-scores, they usually put Gio Bernard in on obvious pass-down situations. But I think Mixon had seven or eight targets last week, which is very promising, but they were winning that game. So we will see what happens in a negative game script, which is likely to take place against Baltimore. Running lanes will be fewer and further between against Baltimore compared to a depleted Jaguars defense last week. So expectations should be tempered with Joe Mixon. This has the looks of being more similar to those three first weeks than it does to last week's game. But you're starting him because, you know, his loads of volume, it creates opportunity there. And side note, I, you know, there are a lot of fringe Running back once this week with t- in tough spots like Miles Sanders against Pittsburgh, James Conner against Philadelphia, Mixon versus Baltimore. You know that's rough, but there. You know it's just an interesting fact this week. Moving on to the three and one Los Angeles Rams, they travel cross country to play the Washington Football Team. Jared Goff, he has had two good games and two bad games this season. The good news for Goff is that the Washington Football Team's defense hasn't looked the same since they harassed Carson Wentz in Week One. As the season progresses, we learn things about each team. And one bit of knowledge we've acquired is that every team is getting to Carson Wentz because the Eagles' offense stinks. So at the time, we thought the Eagles' offense was going to be good, and the Washington football team's front seven was just that amazing. But either way, their front seven is not as fearsome without nose tackle Matt Ioannidis and you know potentially Chase Young for this game, although I think Chase Young may return for this game. Still, Jared Goff is a quarterback two this week, not a quarterback one. I think he's just started on super flex leagues. I'd rather play streamers like Teddy Bridgewater, Big Ben, even Gardner Minshew and Drew Brees over Jared Goff. Um, I'd probably play Goff over T- Ryan Tannehill and maybe Joe Burrow too. Um, Kirk Cousins, he's also in that conversation with that matchup against Seattle as well. The Rams have shockingly been one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL, and it's quite possible they will be able to rely on the running game again in a potentially low-scoring game against you know Kyle Allen as the opposing quarterback. Still, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods should be fired up in starting lineups. Cup has come on strongly since week one, but Woods has kind of been a disappointment this season. I know I had high expectations for Robert Woods. I saw him as a top 10 wide receiver going into this season. Those were my expectations, but I am comfortable at least using him as an every week wide receiver too. And in this game, the hope is that the Rams just don't get a huge lead in this game and just run out the clock. Tyler Higby, he's another Ram that I was high on which is why their random obsession with running the ball is just crushing me here. But Tyler Higby, he is a touchdown or bust weekly option, but the matchup is favorable here. I'd probably play Evan Ingram over Tyler Higby, maybe even Dalton Schultz for Dallas, 
but I still view Higby as a top 10 tight end play this week because of his chances of finding the end zone uh, maybe once or twice in the red zone. Uh, in the running game, the pendulum swung back towards Malcolm Brown last week. Very frustrating stuff if you were high on Daryl Henderson like I was. And Henderson was playing really well. There's a lack of clarity here, and Cam Akers is supposed to make his return from a three-week absence with a rib injury. So now this will be a three-way running back by committee. And if I had to pick one to use this week, it would probably be Henderson. But I still, because I think he's the best of the bunch, but I still would rather wait and see how this plays out and not use any of them. For Washington, Kyle Allen is getting the start. He's familiar with the system, but he's inaccurate, especially on deep throws. However, he's supported DJ Moore in the second half of uh, his breakout in the second half of last season that saw Moore post wide receiver, top five wide receiver numbers in his final seven games. The hope here is that Terry McLaurin can follow suit. There's a lot not to like here, though, with McLaurin likely getting shattered by Jalen Ramsey and Allen dealing with Aaron Donald in his face all game. They're missing uh, Washington's best offensive lineman, Baron and Sheriff, he's out for this game and making matters, you know, that makes matters worse against Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman in the league, one of the best players in the league. I'm not spending more time talking about Washington pass catchers because they've all been teases under Dwayne Haskins. It's to be determined on whether Kyle Allen can prop up a guy like tight end Logan Thomas, who's seen strong usage, but just hasn't got it going with Dwayne Haskins, maybe he's worth a stash to figure out if you're weak at tight end, you have an extra bench spot, but I'm certainly not using him here. I like Antonio Gibson's uh, prospects with Kyle Allen at quarterback. We saw Kyle Allen pepper Christian McCaffrey with, with, with receptions last year. McCaffrey had over 100 catches. I think it was like 117 catches, and that was mostly with Kyle Allen at quarterback. So Antonio Gibson, this is a game they should be losing, and we saw him get more involved in the receiving game last week. I mean, that's just the final piece of the puzzle to Antonio Gibson because they're already using him as a goal line back. They're already giving him most of the carries. So Gibson could be become a bell cow back if they stop getting J.D. McKissick less involved in the passing game, and Kyle Allen starts um, feeding targets to Antonio Gibson. And with the with the mismatch of the Rams defensive line versus the Washington football team's offensive line, we could see a bunch of dump-offs, a bunch of targets to try to mitigate that mismatch there. So I do like Antonio Gibson this week as an RB2. Um, let's move on to the Battle of Pennsylvania. Sounds like some kind of old wartime battle, but no, it is the Eagles traveling across the state to play the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. And Carson Wentz will be without Dallas Goddard and J Jalen Rager in this game, uh, and Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. They were trying to play this week, but they've been ruled out. And the Eagles offensive line still banged up. And they have a date with the vaunted Steelers defense. And this is not a great place to start Carson Wentz or any Eagles pass catcher. And that includes Zach Ertz, who has appeared a step or two slow this season. He's struggling to get open. It would be a surprise to see him play well, though he will get opportunities. The volume, he'll get at least probably eight, seven or eight targets in this game, which is great for a tight end. But I just don't know if we can really trust him at this point. Uh, but I guess, I guess you have to start him if you have him, unless you have a good backup the, that I've mentioned. Um, and one of the some of the good backups, like Noah Fant, he's out this week. Uh, or he's not even a backup, but some of the other options that you may have. Noah Fant, he's out this week. Dallas Goddard, he's obviously out in this game. And Johnny Smith, he plays Tuesday, so we don't know if that game's going to get played. It's tough. You might have to start Zach Ertz. Um, but I'm not expecting much, and I, I do have to start Zach Ertz in one league myself, actually, and I'm expecting like five points, but, uh, but I'll move on from him. He's just struggling altogether. He might be washed. Um, no team has allowed fewer fantasy points to running backs in the Steelers. 
Uh, but Miles Sanders, he's almost an every-down player. He's a volume-based RB2 this week. I like his chances of racking up five catches in this game at least, uh, which will help his PPR floor. But I can't say that you know I'm viewing him as a must-start this week just because of the matchup. Uh, Big Ben in the passing game is a better play than James Conner in the running game. And that's because the Eagles' defense for the past few seasons has been strong against the run but weak against the pass. This year is no different. Big Ben, he's probably a quarterback two this week. I think I'd rather play Teddy Bridgewater and Gardner Minshew over Big Ben and maybe Drew Brees too. Deontay Johnson is healthy after his concussion, so you can fire him up as a wide receiver too, along with Juju Smith-Schuster. I like Juju Smith-Schuster a lot more in this game than Johnson. Cornerback Darius Slay has played well this season, and Juju Smith-Schuster, he goes into the slot, and it looks like Slay is going to be uh, trying to slay Deontay Johnson on the outside. So that makes me like Juju Smith-Schuster more in this game. James Conner, he's merely a running back two in a tough matchup, but he should get positive game script at home and maybe catch some passes as well. As long as he's healthy, he should be in starting lineups. I mean, that's the rule with James Conner and Will Fuller. You just start them and pray that they stay healthy. Uh, and sometimes they don't. But when they are healthy, we are starting them every week, pretty much regardless of opponent. So... The Eagles have gotten destroyed by tight ends. Uh, we saw George Kittle on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Kittle isn't the only tight end to have a strong game against the Eagles, I should say. And Tyler Higby scored three times against them as well. So that puts Eric Ebron as a top tight end streamer this week. Go see if he's in free agency if you need a tight end. Let's move on to the 2-2 um, and two Arizona Cardinals. They get the benefit of playing the winless New York Jets in New York this week. Kyler Murray... He should have another strong fantasy game, though his fantasy outputs have been a lot better than the way he's played in reality. The Jets, they are a cure-all for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, who had his worst game of the season last week. DeAndre Hopkins did with only 41 receiving yards, but he still did it on seven or eight catches. So he's still, uh, you know, if that's his floor in PPR, then you got to love it. And this is a cure-all. And, yeah, when I say cure-all, I mean including Kenyon Drake as well. Cliff Kingsbury talked about how he needs to get the running game going. I predicted that Drake was going to get things going or get things right in the last two weeks against Detroit and Carolina, two soft matchups, and he has not. He failed in both weeks. But this is my final stand here. Drake's final chance right here. I'm advising to leave him in starting lineups despite the pain you have endured so far this season. There aren't any other Cardinals pass catchers that I really trust here. If Christian Kirk scores again, then maybe he's worth a hold. But right now, you know, I I don't have him on 12-team leagues. I've already cut him. I'm okay with that. And I don't think he's worth starting here either. I only mention him because he scored last week. And if he scores again, then maybe, you know, we can start to consider him again. Uh, I, I just think DeAndre Hopkins, this is a smash spot for DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I think they're going to have huge games here. Uh, and I don't think I've mentioned yet so far in this podcast that it was a smash spot for anybody. So I guess... They are one of my top plays this week. Um, for the Jets, Joe Flacco starting for the injured Sam Darnold. And left tackle Makai Becton, he is doubtful for this game. But Le'Veon Bell, running back, is supposed to be back from short-term IR. He'll likely split time with Frank Gore at first. And I think he's probably worth a flex option uh, against the Cardinals, who don't have a great defense. Uh, but I would probably be fading him if I could. We just got to see how this uh, running back by committee is going to work under Adam Gase. I think he's worth a flex option, but probably I'd rather not start him on running back two or one without seeing that utilization before I just kind of throw him out there. I am using Jamison Crowder. I know that Darnold and Crowder had the chemistry and not, 
Joe Flacco with the connection there, but Crowder is an every week wide receiver three just because there's really no other options and the Jets are going to have to be trailing uh, and playing from behind. So I like Crowder as an every week wide receiver three regardless of matchup, honestly. Um, and maybe even better when Sam Darnold is playing. We won't spend too much more time on the Jets here. Let's move on to the next game. The 2-2 two two Vegas Raiders travel to Kansas City to face the 4-0 Kansas City Chiefs. And Derek Carr, he's an every-week low-end quarterback, too, usually regardless of matchup. Though it's worth noting that Carr's offenses have only scored 9 and 10 points in the two meetings with Kansas City last year. Kansas City's defense has been awesome, honestly, since week 11-ish of last season. They've carried their strong play that they had late last season and, and throughout the playoffs into this season. And Casey's defense, very underappreciated. And they're getting Chris Jones back at defensive tackle. This could be a blowout for the Chiefs, honestly. The Chiefs are very, very likely to lead in this game. This being favorable game script for Derek Carr in possible garbage time, which has been a lot of his production this year. Henry Ruggs' presence will help open up the offense. If he plays, he's questionable. I think he's honestly like a 50-50 shot. And we have, we have to see him healthy right, before we can use him in starting lineup. So even if he does play, I'm not using him. But I do think it will help this offense tremendously if Henry Ruggs plays. He is a much better real-life or more valuable real-life player than he is for fantasy football. Darren Waller will be the focal point of this offense regardless, and you are starting him. He should have a good game. Hunter Renfro deserves flex consideration once again with Brian Edwards out. I think Renfro uh, is a legit talent who is underrated both in real life and in fantasy. And I'll just go ahead and say it. I think right now, you know, before we've seen like Henry Ruggs develop and stuff like that, I think just right now, considering Henry Ruggs isn't 100% healthy, considering, you know, knowing what we know about Brian Edwards when he was playing, knowing what we know about Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, I think Hunter Renfro is the best receiver on this team right now. So I don't know. I would play him. Uh, Derek Carr is obviously, he showed a rapport with Hunter Renfro at the end of last season. Hunter Renfro was a deep sleeper for me. Uh, going into the season for that reason. I was just a little worried about the amount of mouth that they had to feed in this passing game, and I didn't think Derek Carr would be able to support Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, uh, Darren Waller, and Renfro, so I just kind of backed off on that stance. I really loved Renfro going into, like, when I started my research or after game logging, but now Renfro, I'm starting to get he really heat back up with Renfro because now all these receivers are hurt, and we're seeing the connection they have. So I'm very comfortable. I wish I was playing Winfro in some of my leagues. That's my wide receiver three. Moving on to Josh Jacobs in the running game. He was a top. He was the top scoring running back, a week winner in week one. But we have not seen him post good fantasy numbers despite loads of volume in weeks two through four. This could be a Joe Mixon situation where, you know, we eventually if you're getting that amount of volume, you're going to blow up at some point. And we already did see it with Josh Jacobs in week one. However, the risk in this one is that Josh Jacobs is game scripted out of this game like he was against the Chiefs last year when he had good games on the ground but couldn't find the end zone and wasn't used in the passing game at all because the Chiefs had such big leads against the Raiders in the two blowouts last week against the Raiders in Oakland at that time. Josh Jacobs, he's more of a high-end running back two this week rather than a running back one because I do fear that the Chiefs are going to blow out the Raiders here. And I, I just don't think he's not totally matchup proof despite the three catches every week, but he's better than last year in that respect. I think he'll get his three catches and hopefully he'll find the end zone once or twice here. Clyde Edwards, Elaire, like Jacobs, has also now found the end zone since week one. Uh, but I'm betting that his scoring drought ends here. I think this is a total smash spot for the Fresh Prince. I love He's one of my favorite plays this week in fantasy football. Then again, I did say that about Daryl Henderson last week. And how did that turn out? But no, seriously, this week, it's not like you're considering benching Edwards Elaire anyway. But I think the Raiders, they'll be playing without defensive tackle Maurice Hurst. They're also out without 
uh, Malik Collins at defensive tackle, and Vegas has just been terrible against the run. I think CEH is going to score at least 20 PPR points this week. Pat Mahomes, same situation. He's not very good. Uh, or he was not good at all against the Patriots last week, but the Raiders are a very different story. We should see at least three scores uh, against the Vegas Raiders here from Pat Mahomes. Uh, I think the only fear, if you have Mahomes, is that um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire takes the touchdowns. So hopefully they're receiving touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, great starts as usual. Kelsey's, a lot of people have been, you know, because Kelsey kind of had a quiet open to the season. So this could be a, a smash spot for Travis Kelsey as well. Sammy Watkins, Cole Hardman are boomer bust gambles. I think I'd rather play Watkins as a desperation play uh, than McCall Hardman. But maybe McCall Hardman, Watkins, both worth a hold in 12-team leagues. And lastly, last game of the week, I believe, it is the Carolina Panthers. They are traveling. Uh, they are 2-2. Two two. They are traveling to Atlanta to face the winless Falcons. And I did not expect Carolina to be 2-2 two and two while the Falcons 0-4. I would have thought that that scripts were flipped. And the Falcons have just been ripped apart by every quarterback they have faced. And to make matters worse, there are a number of injuries in the secondary. Nickel cornerback Darquise Denard, free safety. Dante Casey, he's out. Safety Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, strong safety, and other safety. Jalen Hall, I mean, they're just really thin at safety. They're all questionable for this game. Uh, so there's just so many injuries in this secondary for the Falcons. That's one of the reasons they've been so bad. Not that they were good on paper to start the season. I mean, they were a defense we wanted to target in the passing game even before the season even began. But with all of these injuries in the defensive backfield, I mean, this is just ripe for the picking here. This is a very cupcake matchup for Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to be used a lot in DFS, I'm sure. He's started very slowly this season, but he's getting better each game. As we see more and more familiarity with this offense and his new teammates, Teddy Bridgewater, he's a must-start in Superflex leagues and deserves consideration as a matchup-based streamer in one-quarterback leagues. He is my favorite streaming quarterback in one-quarterback leagues this week, and I think he's a top-10 quarterback this week, honestly, like right you know, alongside his opponent, Matt Ryan. Uh, I don't know which one I would start over them. Maybe I would lean towards Teddy Bridgewater with the way Matt Ryan's been playing in the last two weeks. Teddy Bridgewater's number one receiver, Robbie Anderson, and his number two receiver, DJ Moore, are, are both must-starts this week, even D.J. Moore, who struggled. This is uh, hopefully a breakout spot for D.J. Moore. I think I would rather play D.J. Moore than a guy like maybe Terry McLaurin for the Ravens. I don't know. I think that's really tough. But this could be a get-right spot for D.J. Moore. Like, if he can't do it in this game, I'm not sure it's just happening at all for him this season. Uh, Mike Davis, he is a fringe running back one. I want him in my starting lineups. He has been a beast without Christian McCaffrey. And I think Mike Davis should be probably an every week start in PPR leagues. He could have a huge day in this game, especially because uh, Reggie Bonifant has been out or uh, is out for this game. And he saw 70 yards last week. Bonifant did. And now there's just no Trenton Cannon is the backup running back for the Panthers. And their, their other active running back is actually a fullback, you know, Alex Armois. So basically Mike Davis is going to eat here in this game and, this is a game Mike Davis could even have positive game script too. And it doesn't really matter because he's getting peppered in the receiving game either way. So he's just a matchup-proof play as long as Christian McCaffrey is out, which I expect to be obviously this week. But I expect McCaffrey to miss one more week after this week as well. So props to you if you spent the free agent money, the fab money, on Mike Davis. I know I did not, and I regret that. So for the Falcons, this is a bounce-back opportunity for Matt Ryan and company. Carol, actually, I do want to mention that Curtis Samuel, if you're absolutely des desperate for a PPR play, Curtis Samuel, uh, tasty matchup here 
uh, for Curtis Samuel. I wouldn't start him as any more than just kind of a punt play. But if you need somebody in free agency, you know, Curtis Samuel may be able to get like four catches uh, for, I don't know, 70 yards. He's been more of a PPR guy. Maybe it's like five catches for 60 yards. But either way, he should be able to um, get some catches and potentially find the end zone. And there's another receiver that I want to mention who's the same scenario there, and that is Alamade Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, he's also a PPR sleeper here. He had 80 yards receiving on eight catches last week. And Zacchaeus is for the Falcons, by the way, not the Panthers. And he's a small player, and he was undrafted. He's like 5'8". That's like my height. But uh, he should be a full-time slot receiver uh, for this game because I expect Julio not to play. Now, if Julio Jones does play, then no, do not start uh, Alamade Zacchaeus in this game. But if you're desperate for a PPR flex or wide receiver three, Zacchaeus will most likely be in your free agency. And I think that he's going to get at least four or five catches in this game for at least probably 50 yards. And, hey, that's almost 10 PPR points right there. So he's a great pump play there. If Julio Jones doesn't play, I prefer Zacchaeus over Curtis Samuel. But obviously, if Julio Jones does play, then I'm not using Zacchaeus at all in this game because he's the number four receiver, basically. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I like him, not love him in this game. He should be good for his usual 50 yards or a touchdown. He doesn't like to do both, but he usually does one of those two things. Uh, Todd Gurley. Four touchdowns in four games this year. He gets the volume and the opportunities in the red zone. He's been better than I thought he was going to be because he's getting those red zone opportunities, which is pretty much the same story with him and the Rams last year where he had 14 red zone touchdowns and did pretty much nothing else. No catches, no I mean, he had some catches, but not really using the receiving game, not really racking up the yardage. It's the same story here. I mean, that's just what he is. He just has a nose for the end zone at this point in his career, but he's lacked his explosiveness to really do damage on the ground, um, except for the volume that he's getting. And he really just has taken a huge nosedive in the receiving game. But So he's the definition of a touchdown or bust, and he could get it against this Carolina Panthers run defense, who, which is terrible. So Todd Gurley, you want him in your starting lineups. He is an attractive option, and maybe even more so than a guy like, I don't know, like Miles Sanders or James Conner, uh, or, or maybe even Joe Mixon. I don't know. They all have really tough matchups. But Todd Gurley, he's right in that mix, I would say. I think one tough choice this week is like Todd Gurley or Raheem Mostert. I'd probably go with Gurley. But I, I don't know. There's a lot of like fringe running back ones this week that actually just have really bad matchups. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a theme that I've noticed for this week. Uh, the Falcons, um, Matt Ryan, this should be a pretty good opportunity. He's been playing like crap in the last two weeks. But this is a nice get-right spot, even if Julio Jones doesn't play, because Calvin Ridley should be healthier. Ridley was... You know, playing hobbled last week against Jair Alexander and put up the goose egg. I am putting Ridley back in as my starting lineups this week. Luckily, you didn't use Ridley last week anyway because it was a Monday night football game and he was very questionable for it. So you likely had to sit him anyway. So you didn't really get hurt by that goose egg. Uh, I am. We would get hurt by a goose egg today because he's playing Carolina. So of course he's going to be in starting lineups. But he should be ready to go. He's off the injury report. I'm starting Ridley with confidence. Uh, Matt Ryan, I have less confidence in, but I am starting him in the two leagues that I have him in. Uh, however, uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I can't help but think that his poor play in the last two weeks has been because Julio Jones had that setback with his hamstring injury. I don't expect Julio Jones to play this week, and if he does, man, I'd feel really hesitant about using him after we saw him bow out after last in last week's game when he had like 30 receiving yards and bailed out at halftime. But it also makes, if Julio Jones is inactive, it also makes Russell Gage a nice sleeper in this game. So Russell Gage, probably even a better play than Alamade Zacchaeus, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, but Russell Gage, is, unlike Zacchaeus, is probably 
not in free agency in your leagues. So I think that does cover it for the matchups. All right, let's end the show with my top 12 kicker and defense rankings. If you don't have a kicker on this list, I'm saying that you need to go grab the highest rated kicker that is available. Number one, Justin Tucker. He plays Cincinnati. Number two, Harrison Butt kicker for the Chiefs. He plays the Raiders. Number three, Will Lutz plays the Chargers this week. I like all three of them, of course. They are my top rated kickers right now. Number four, Greg the Leg Zerline. I'm giving him one more chance against the Giants. If he can't get it done this week, I don't know if we can trust him anymore. He has struggled this season, but that may, that's mainly due to the Cowboys falling behind so much. Number five, Robbie Gold or Gould against the Miami Dolphins. He's a really good play this week. Zane Gonzalez, a great play this week against the New York Jets. They should have plenty of points there. Number seven, Rodrigo Blockenship against Cleveland. Doesn't have a good matchup this week, but... He is a kicker I'd want to hold on to. He has been drilling a ton of field goals lately. Number eight, Sam Sloman for the Rams. They should be able to, that's a very winnable game against the Washington football team. Number nine, Jason Myers against the Minnesota Vikings. Should be some field goals tonight for sure. And if not, some extra points. Number 10, Chris Boswell against the Eagles. I think the Steelers, they're favored by seven or more in that game. So there should be some good field goal opportunities for Boswell. Number 11, Joey Sly for Atlanta. That's a Sly play right there. With the Atlanta kickers banged up, and Carolina's favored to win that game against Atlanta. Should be a high-scoring game. So I like Joey Sly as a potential free agent option. Number 12, Kaimi Fairbairn against the Jaguars. Again, I predicted the Texans to win this game. I think it should be a high-scoring game. I like Fairbairn's chances of knocking in at least two field goals in this game. And number 13, Randy Bullock. Got to give him some respect because he is the number one kicker in fantasy football right now, although he is expected to lose this game. I think Joe Burrow will be able to score some points against the Ravens, however. So, you know, if you have an extra roster spot open, you can go see if Mason Crosby or Matt Prater, two solid kicker options on a week-to-week basis, were dropped. You can see if they were dropped. Uh, they're on their bye weeks. Crosby would have would be my preferred choice between the two because he's a top-six kicker play on most weeks. Uh, and you may be tired of the stream. Of living the stream, you may, you know, in his bye week, will be past us after this week. So I'm actually holding Crosby in two leagues that I have him in. Uh, top 12 defenses, Rams defense against the Washington football team, against Kyle Allen. That's a great spot there. Ravens defense against the Bengals. And Joe Burrow, he should make some rookie mistakes in this game. Patriots defense. Well, I guess we don't know if we can really play them. They were against Brett Rippon and the Broncos, but I don't know if that game's going to be played. So TBD on that, but I'd probably lean towards sitting them. Uh, but let's move on to the next one, 49ers against the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick in his YOLO style. Uh, the Bucks defense, number five, would have been my number five defense this week. They played Chicago. They did okay. Uh, a little underwhelming, I thought, there. Cardinals defense, number six. They play Joe Flacco in the Jets. That could be a defense that's in free agency that you might want to stream. Steelers defense is my number seven. I'm not saying go drop the Steelers for the Cardinals, but I am saying that if you have any other defense maybe than the ones I've mentioned, maybe it's time to go pick up the Cardinals and play them against the Jets. The Steelers play the Eagles. That could be a field day against Carson Wentz. We'll see. The Chiefs play the Raiders. I love the Chiefs defense. I think they're very underrated. Uh, the Browns, they play Phillip Rivers and the, and the Colts. I think Rivers will make some mistakes in this game as long as the Browns have a lead. The Colts, you can also play the Colts defense in that game because they've been so great. And the Browns, they, they still have Baker Mayfield. If they can stop the run uh, even without Darius Leonard, then they'll be pretty good. That should be a low-scoring game there. 
The Saints, they play the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe they can force Herbert into some mistakes there. And you know they're going to bottle up the run game with Joshua Kelly. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they play Minnesota. Uh, Kirk Cousins is struggling in primetime spots before, so I could see that. I would say the Broncos here if Cam Newton was out, but we don't know if that game is going to be played. So I'll say maybe the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants. I think the Cowboys were embarrassed on defense last week, and I think they'll show up to play this weekend. It's against Daniel Jones, who hasn't really moved the ball against anyone. That offense appears to be broken. So those are my defensive streamers of the week. And I am just getting word that the, or I'm just reading on my Twitter, that the Patriots and Broncos game is now in question because of a positive test this morning. So I mentioned that game early on in the podcast. That's Patriots-Broncos. I mean, you're probably not starting a lot of players in that game anyway. But now all players like Jerry Judy, Cam Newton, Melvin Gordon should probably be left on benches for now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's looking like this game is probably not going to be played at least on Monday. So yeah, you're Cam Newton, Julian Edelman, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon, and, and the defenses, who probably would have been the best plays this week because of the way that game was. It's looking that like they, that game is likely not going to happen. So those players, Patriots and Broncos, probably need to be on benches. Uh, and that's the only big news I've received so far. All this other stuff is a lot of questionable players like Joe Mixon, Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson, a lot of questionable players who were dinged up in the week are, are expected to play. So anyway, yeah, Patriots, Broncos should probably be on your bench. But that is it. That is all of the matchups. Good luck in week five. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya.